Welcome back to Challenge the Call with Max and Avery. I'm your host, Max. I'm Avery. How are you guys? All right, everybody. Uh, first things, I just want to start off with, I'm sure you all noticed, the mustache. It is officially Movember, a time to be aware of men's health. Mental health, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, this is the month to be aware from it. So I'm rocking the stash in support of my fellow men out there. Avery, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I also know it as No Shave November. That's different. So I'm. Oh well, I don't know. That's a different. Uh, I think they fall. They have similar, similar causes, but that's technically a different, uh, like, angle of it or whatever. Different thing. Oh. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm here. I'm ready to talk about football. As am I. So, uh, we'll get started with, I only have one notable game that uh, I wanted to talk about, probably just because it's fresh on my mind, having just played last night, and that is the Texans versus the Eagles. Avery, did you catch that game? You know, I didn't. I was at work, so uh, I saw the score, 29-17 at the end of the game. I haven't even been able to watch the highlights yet, so tell me what happened, man. Well, the Texans came out ready to roll, and the Eagles also fairly came out ready to roll, but I think the Texans really surprised a lot of people because uh, Texans scored first. They scored on their opening drive, which I think they were saying is the first time this season. Um, So Texans were up 7-0 just after the first drive, and of course the Eagles came and matched it, but at halftime it was tied 14-14. So the Texans were holding in there strong, and I just thought that was really surprising because I don't think anyone expected that out of them. Right, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, outside of that, it was it was a pretty typical game, you know? Like, it looked like two two regular football teams playing. I th- The only reason I wanted to mention it was just because it seemed like such a – like, it was a 7-0 and team going against a 1-5-1 and five and one team. And so it's just crazy that I, they kept up so well with them. And I liked seeing it. Um, another notable game, I suppose I kind of I saw that stuck out to me a little bit. The Commanders won again. Yeah, they're 4-4. Four and four. I kind of want to talk about the NFC East. Uh, they got the Eagles that you just mentioned, 8-0. They got the Giants that are six and two. They got the Cowboys that are six and two, and then the Commanders that are four and four. Everybody has a winning record in that division. It's insane because I remember a couple of years ago, everybody joked around and said it was the NFL least, and now like I've been hearing rumors it's the NFL beast because yeah, these guys are performing to a whole nother level that I haven't seen in like years. What's your thoughts? It's crazy how stacked that division seems right now. Just how, like you said, like all winning records, and and that's just that's that's wild. Cause and I mean it makes sense though. You think if a team, especially the way the NFL works and operates, it tries to have that with all the draft picks and everything like that. The teams that are going to be notably bad for a stretch of time should become fairly good as long as they have some good people in-house getting those draft picks, coaching up the players. Because 
worse you do, better picks you get, good teams should be had. So I think it makes sense that they uh, have turned their whole division around and that they're doing pretty well right now. Definitely. Uh, I want to talk about um, the Vikings and the Cardinals. The Vikings are now officially 6-1. and one. I thought that was a game the Vikings were going to drop. It looks like the Vikings have like a firm grasp on our division. Um, Kirk Cousins, uh, they just traded for TJ Hawkinson at the trade deadline. So uh, that's an Iowa boy that was on the move from Detroit to Minnesota. And so I hate that for Detroit because I felt like he was like one of the only good players for Detroit. But what are your thoughts? They definitely have some other playmakers. I know, what's the running back's name? Swift? He's DeAndre Swift. Yeah, he's, he's a stellar back. Um, I think they'll be all right. I think they actually have some decent offensive weapons in Detroit. But the weirdest thing to me about this trade is, is it common to trade in division like that? That's just like, I don't know. I, I suppose as long as it's like, benefiting both teams it's kind of like a sure why not but at the same time i i would never think i would see divisions in or trades in divisions like that it just seems like you like it's an unspoken rule of nah like do your business elsewhere you know yeah i mean i've never really seen it i've never seen it trade within the division especially for that quality of a player and TJ Hawkinson. He's a top 10 tight end in the NFL right now. Easy. And I think that's what like the tight end position for Minnesota was struggling. And I think getting TJ Hawkinson solidifies them as probably real contenders in the NFC for the first time this year. Like They kind of put off fraud team to me type. Like They get to the playoffs and they'd be frauds. But I think they are, they could be real contenders. What's your thoughts? They they might have a pretty decent chance this year. I mean, I don't know how many teams right now are, what would you say, they're 6 and 1. I don't know how many teams have that good of a record. I know I know there are a lot of teams doing well for how they normally play, but like the Eagles are 7 and 0, but they're the only undefeated team left. So Outside of that, everybody else would also be at six wins along with the Vikings, and that they're, I think they have a decent shot. The only other team that is six and one is the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. And that's in the AFC side. So, I how, mean, how many teams are six and two, though? Because, you know, technically they just haven't had buys yet. Uh, we got Dallas, New York Giants. And that's it. That's it. Those so those three teams. Oh, in Kansas City. Kansas City. But that's AFC. So there's so those. There's five total teams, including the Vikings, then that have six mm-hmm. wins. Yep. Wild. So yeah, that, yeah. That should show that they. They should have a decent shot as long as they keep it up. If they can continue through. And I think decently that they will. I feel they've played some decent competition. I know the Packers haven't looked great this year, but they beat the Packers and they just beat the Cardinals, as you said. So I think they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
I also wanted to talk about one more notable game, the Panthers and the Falcons, because this game was wild. Um, so at the end of the game, the Panthers, they were down. And um, it w- this game ended up going into overtime. But uh, P.J. Walker threw a game-winning touchdown pass, where it should have been a game-winning touch- touchdown pass, to D.J. Moore. Max, I see your face light up. What what are your thoughts on I, this game? I remember that game. I do remember that now that you mention it. The, I I was pissed, just absolutely annoyed. Like uh, some of the other assistant coaches were talking about it. Like as a coach, like that infuriates me. Getting a penalty on what should, like you said, getting a game winning touchdown. Um, but. Because of the penalty, DJ Moore ripped his helmet off after the touchdown he scored, and that caused the flag, and then they missed the PAT. So, game ends tied, that's what sends it into overtime. And that's just... Oh, play, like That's a situational awareness type of thing. Like, sure, believe in your kicker, whatever, you just scored a great touchdown, that's awesome, blah, blah, blah. Don't get penalty. They lost that game... Because of DJ Moore. And if he doesn't feel the full weight and responsibility of what he did to lose them that game, then I don't even know. As a coach, that just infuriates me. Yeah. um, And I was going to say exact same thing. I mean, like, shout out to Eddie Pinero, the guy that missed the field goal. He was a Bears kicker a couple years back. So thank God we don't have him. Um, But, no... It's just, I feel bad for the Panthers because that was a great game. You know, if the Panthers would have won that game, they would have been tied for first in the NFC uh, South. That's a tough break, and that's all on DJ Moore. I want want to talk about the NFC South, too, with this. What a shit show of a division. Every team is below 500. The Bears could win this division, man. If the Bears were in the NFC South... The Bears could win this division in a heartbeat. Um, We have in the NFC South, I'm going to throw it off here. The Falcons that are 4-4, that they should have lost that game. Uh, The Buccaneers that are 3-5 with Tampa, Tom, looking really bad. Uh, The Saints that are 3-5. And and the Panthers that are 2-6. Every team would have been 3-5. If the pan, if DJ Moore wouldn't have ripped off his helmet, and that's that just seems like the story of the NFL right now. I can't tell you how many teams when I'm putting in the records that I see three and five, just like across the board, three and five, three and five, four and four, maybe five and three. But that just seems like the range of the NFL right now. Like how we were just talking, there's so few teams that have over six wins. There's so many teams. That are in that five and three, three and five type of range, like the Bears currently being three and five as well. It's just, it's crazy how almost equal everything seems, but also not. Definitely, I agree. Um, there's uh, and then I wanted to talk about the Lions and the Viking or Lions and the Dolphins. Because we play the Dolphins next. The Lions should have won this game. Did you watch any of that game? I think I saw the score. I might have seen some clips from it, but I didn't watch it. Okay, so Lions were literally up 
I think it was 21 to 0 at one point and then it got up to uh 27 to 7 going into like the third quarter, the end of the third quarter. And then the Lions did their normal Lions thing and choked the game away. So uh Is man, two was back for Miami, right? Yeah, two was back from Miami. And uh that scares me. Speaking of Let's get into our main segment, Bears Central. So, the Bears just played the Cowboys down in Dallas. They lost 29-49. to 49. Um, Avery, what are your thoughts on that game? Um, I'm not even mad, to be honest. I'm not mad at all. Our defense has taken a couple of blows, and I'm not mad that we gave up 49 because our defense only gave up 42, which is still a lot. But at the halfway through the third quarter, we brought this game back 28-23. We literally brought this game back, and we looked like we could compete, and we looked like we were the, we belonged there. And a couple of dumb plays, specifically uh, the. David Montgomery fumble, and yep, and I'll I'll get into that, but no, yeah, they. I just thought we started off slow, you know. I saw first quarter we were down fourteen zero right off yep. the bat. That that's a slow start for us. I think without that, we do a little bit better. Um, what? A, and then even the first half in general, we did bring it back a little bit. Like, we outscored them in the second quarter, 17-14. We're still down a good amount, but I, I think we just had a real slow start. And then, yeah, things turned around in the third quarter. Yeah, I – and then at the end of the day, like, we've talked about this multiple times. Progress. All you want to see is progress. And on the offensive side of the ball and Justin Fields – this is what we're finally getting. We're getting progress. Luke Getze, progress. Ryan Poles, progress. GM, and then defense. It fell off a cliff today. But that's okay. When you have Robert Quinn getting traded uh, three days prior to the Dallas Cowboys game, when he's one of your captains, it's going to deflate that side of the ball. It's going to deflate the defense. Because he's been in Chicago for a while. Definitely. And when you look at, I was looking at the stats from the game, and they don't look horrible. Honestly, the Bears had more time of possession. They were about equal on first downs. The Bears had more rushing yards, not that much less passing yards. It was 131 to 242. So I guess they had about 100 more yards passing. So that's what killed us is just the pass defense right there. But outside of that, like looking at these stats, they break down fairly evenly. So, and Cowboys are supposed to have a really good defense. What we were saying, top four defense last week, something like that. So for the Bears to put up 29 points on them, like that does feel pretty good offensively. Like I do feel a lot better. Fields is running around, he made a few plays, got some first downs, got a touchdown with his legs again, first one to start the game. So, yeah, I'm I'm loving Fields getting out there and actually starting to break out. Yeah, um, and that brings me back. Like, you got to give credit when credit is due. And I hate to say it, but Dallas is a really good football team. They're built 
they're built tough. They're built by defense, and they just hit a new level with Dak Prescott back in. So I think Dak definitely against the Bears deleted the Cooper Rush Dak quarterback controversy. He came out and he's like, I'm the guy. I'm the starter. This is the reason why. Because Dak performed well. I actually... I actually wanted to ask you about that. If Cooper Rush were in this game instead of Dak, do you think we win this game? It'd be a lot closer. And we would have had to play a couple of mistake-free football because we were making mistakes out there. Um, But I think it would have been a lot closer of a game. I think it would have been a more defensive a game. So I think it... Definitely closer. Closer makes sense. Pull out the win. Just looking at how bad the score was, maybe not. But I don't know. I don't know. I think I think we might actually win it if it weren't for Dak because he he looked good. He was making deep passes. He threw the ball all over us. And um, another controversy, at least in my head, is Tony Pollard better than Ezekiel Elliott? He is. Uh, I hate to say it. Uh, I think he is. The only reason that uh, Jerry Jones won't, you know, do anything about it or Mike McCarthy is because Zeke's getting a lot of money. Zeke is getting paid a lot of money. So why bench your starter when, yeah, you got Tony Pollard on a rookie deal still, still. So, I mean, you know, but at the same time, Tony Pollard's a beast. Three touchdowns. That our defense looked like Swiss cheese out there, man. It was terrible. Yeah. It was it was terrible. And that leads me into one thing. Who's supposed to be one of the main stops on the run blo- uh, like run defense? Your middle linebacker. Who's our who was our middle linebacker for that game? Let's lead right in Roquan Smith. Let's get into it. So we got some trades that happened. I'm sure some of you are aware. Um, Roquan, I forgot to put where he was going. and I Baltimore. Baltimore. Yep. Uh, Roquan is going to the Ravens. Got him. Got a second round and a fifth round pick for him. And with that second round pick, we turned right back around and traded it to the Steelers to pick up Clayce Chapool. Chase Claypool. Avery, how how did you feel about I both of those trades? Just start with Roquan. How do we feel about Roquan? I hate to see him go. I really do. Uh, Roquan was one of my favorite players on Chicago. Um, he kind of called it, though, in the beginning of the year when he requested a trade. So I've kind of already mentally prepared for this. I knew he was probably not going to be in Chicago for much longer. Um, I hate it. Uh, still, just as a fan, I hate it, but I get the logistics of it. I really do. Like, he's an off-ball middle linebacker. And, like, he plays the position at such a fiery level. But at the same time, when you're thinking about it, you're not going to spend $135 million on an off-ball middle linebacker. When you have so many more positions on your offense and defense that you need to fill with that cap space. Our offensive line's terrible. Our defensive line's terrible. Now we need to replace the linebacker. Our receiving core is still not the greatest. We got so many holes that you can't spend $135 million on one guy and take up one-third of your cap space. 
So, what are your thoughts? Definitely. I, I do understand that, and I don't know, like, middle linebacker, important but not important. Like you said, like, that's a lot for one guy. I arguably see them as one of the more important positions, though, as they do have to be able to make those real quick, decisive decisions. Hey, is this runner pass? Because, like, if you're out in the backfield and it's a run, like, that's the box's problem. That's the linebackers and the linemen's deal. If you are um, the lineman and it's a pass, great. Just try to get to the quarterback doing the same job. At Those middle linebackers, I think they're the ones with the tougher responsibility of are we hitting our pass drops? Are we filling our gaps? They have to be able to read quick, know quick, because I think they're the ones that you can get gashed one way or another if they're – not making the right reads if they're not going where they're supposed to like that's how you're going to easily get gashed and so I do think it is a really important position and I know I've already said before yeah it might be a lot of our cap space but at the same time that's what cap space is for is for players that are going to be stellar players and make the best plays and I it's as we already saw, even with him still being there, but just not mentally into the game, it hurts. It hurts not having that well, position be sound. So I want to ask you, like, as a little kid, I heard this all the time. Want in one hand, shit in the other, and see which one fizz, fills up faster, right? It's kind of a weird saying. But um, Roquan's a luxury at this point for Chicago. We are not a luxury-type team yet. We need to get we need to get building blocks in each position. Like Roquan's that flashy Ferrari that you drive out on Tuesday mornings because you got the money. That's what he is. Like he's a great player, but he's not a luxury. We need to solidify our key components on the offense. Offensive line and defensive line are very crucial. And I'd rather go spend 135 million dollars on Joey Boza. That will be a free agent this year and get a great pass rusher. Or I'd rather go spend money on uh, Orlando Brown from Kansas City uh, being a left tackle. Like, I'd, I love Roquan, don't get me wrong, but I need to see stars at different positions because they are more valuable and they are like a building block for your team. Which, which makes sense, but so like you just said, Roquan is a third of our cap space, so you want to spend 130 million on other. Great, you have 260 other million to go spend on those positions. Like you know what I'm saying? It's not the difference. Of it. Like I, I don't care. Like it's a third of our cap space on Roquan. Yeah, that's a shit ton. Whatever. I don't hate spending it on him if he's going to be truly good and making plays for us the whole time. There's still another two thirds of that to do all of that kind of stuff like hey you still have money this is not like this is not personal financing it's okay to bleed yourself to zero or close to zero when you're going to be bringing in that much more revenue off of amazing players making see i and i get that right and i'm glad we're having this because we don't argue very often i think we couldn't do that because we have too many more holes like, this is the, like, I'd rather spend average players, not average, but good players instead of great players right now and get quantity over quality. 
Because right now, quality players, yeah, they can help you win a game like Houston with Roquan Smith. But quantity players can help you win multiple games. And that's the way I look at it. And quantity players are cheaper. Like, it, it's just kind, kind of comes down to, like, the Bears, we need a complete rebuild. Like, a lot of people, like, I know, I and I was uh, one of these guys last year, but a lot of Bears fans think that we are, oh, we're only like two or three pieces away. No, we're a lot farther away than that. This is going to be a three to four year rebuild. We are, Matt, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace ruined the Chicago Bears football team before they left. Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles are fixing it. One step at a time, and it's hard to trust the process, but you do got to trust the process. And if you got to blow up the team first before, sorry, my dog interrupted me. Um, if you got to blow up the team, you got to blow up the team, and that's fine. Because, go ahead. Sure, I, I get what you're saying, like quantity is cheaper over quality, blah, blah, blah. I guess in my difference, you're thinking real like positionally, though. Because, yeah, quantity players are cheaper, and if that's what you want, then what's the problem with keeping Roquan there and getting a bunch of other quantity players in the positions that we need? You know what I mean? Like, you're making your argument as sacrificing one position for quality players in another, where, like, the argument you just made, like, like quantity's fine, quantity will get you there, and they're cheap, great, let's do that then. That doesn't mean Roquan has to go anywhere sitting where he is. But to get more into what this trade did do for us, obviously it was for a second round and a fifth round pick, but we immediately turned around that second round and we did fill in a little bit of one of those holes in our receiver position by picking up Chase Claypool. How do you feel? So about that? it was actually our uh, second round. It wasn't Baltimore's that we flipped. So same difference. Second round. Uh, well, right, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Right now we're projected eighth, and they're projected twenty second. So I mean, it's like a stop. Sorry, my dog is trying to be crazy. Um, yeah, no, I like it. Six four, two hundred and thirty eight out of uh, Notre Dame, and like, I, I don't. If I'm being honest, I don't like Chase Claypool. I really don't. Never really liked the guy. Never really, like, I always thought he was a showboat, like, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, you have the one play I'm sure many people have seen of the Steelers needing a first down. Chase Claypool does get a big catch and, on second or third, whatever it is. And, yeah, he showboats instead of getting the ball down, getting to his spot for them to get the kill playoff. So, you're 100% right. He is a show. Yeah. And, but at the same time, I like the potential and I like the, I think Chase Claypool, he had his best year, his rookie year. He had 862 yards and nine TDs. And that was a, with a capable, competent Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, the last year, Ben didn't, couldn't do anything. He was done. And this year he's had a mixture of Kenny Pickett and Mitch. And he's had a rough year. I think with Justin Fields, they're going to build chemistry. And I think Chase Claypool has potential to be our number one receiver. 
I feel a lot of the same way about Claypool. Not a huge fan. Like you said, he's a little bit of a showboat. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm more of a show up, do your job. Like the recognition will come if you deserve the recognition to come. But showboating, I've always been kind of against it. But I get it. That with that being said, he's a good receiver. Yeah. You know? Like I to some degree it's like, ah, like don't don't like this, whatever aspect up, but at the end of the day, he's a good receiver. He'll get catches. And whether he is going to be our number one or our number two, Darnell Mooney is still a good receiver too. I think the only issue with Mooney right now is how often he's going to be getting that double coverage because he's our only good receiver. So, And so even bringing in Claypool to help, you know, spread out that defensive coverage, have a couple of different options, I think it – freeze up Mooney a little bit we could even see some improvement from Mooney from the and team. that's what I was just gonna say um this is gonna bring us back to the Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey days um and I know that was a little prior to you your football knowledge but uh, um we got two physical receivers now because I think our uh x and our y are definitely gonna be uh, Chase Claypool, and then on the other side, it's going to be Nikhil Harry. He stepped up against Dallas. He stepped up. And then Darnell Mooney is going to go in the slot where he belongs. Darnell Mooney is a slot receiver, and he's a he'd be a great slot receiver. Great slot receiver. But Nikhil Harry, 6'4", what, 230? Chase Claypool, 6'4", 230? I mean, and then Cole Komet, we got Darnell Mooney. I'm liking it. I like the two skyscrapers outside. I like it. Two physical brawly guys. And I think this is going to work out well for Chicago. Maybe not this year because, you know, Chase and Justin are going to have to get on the same page and everything. Justin's just now getting on the same page with Nikhil Harry. But also, where does this leave Velas Jones in the picture? Um... As a solid backup for injuries or a little bit of a break okay. <laughs> is probably where it leaves Vilas Jones. At and St. Saint Brown know? also. Like, St. Brown will probably be a solid backup now. Similar with St. Brown. He'll be more, I think, of that slightly more veteran presence, yeah. too. He'll be a little bit more of that guy to kind of look up to, learn from, like be under a little bit just from like a – knowledge of the position perspective for the other guys who are a little younger and still trying to get their come up in the league. Definitely. I really enjoyed Nikhil Harry though. I really do. I think, uh, he looked good against Dallas. I don't know why, uh, I don't know why New England gave got rid of him. Like I know he looked bad in New England and he didn't live up to potential. That's okay. I hope he lives up to potential in Chicago because, like, he was all over the field. That was his first official game back from uh, being injured in the preseason. And I loved every little bit of it. He looked good. And I think even with him being back, I think our passing game is going to start opening up a lot more just because with Claypool, whether him, whether him and Fields have a connection right away or not, like I mentioned earlier, Claypool – is just going to draw defensive coverage. Even if they don't have a great connection relationship, whatever, he's going to draw that coverage. 
And Fields and Mooney, they have it. Fields and Harry should be working it up. It's just going to open up other receivers so that those passes can be made. And even, I know Keneal Harry's a real big guy, like he's known well for blocking. It helps our run game too, just on the edge, on the mm-hmm. perimeter. We have a guy that can actually go solidly block, and David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, like they can start taking stuff out to the edge and getting down. Well, the that's field. the other thing. Chase Claypool is a good uh, run blocking wide receiver also. So we just add another presence there that, hey, look, we got another guy that's great at run blocking. So I, I'm just really, I'm really excited. Uh, I hate it because I'm not a big fan of them, but I am excited. But that's pretty much the going rate for wide receivers right now. Like I was looking at like free agency this upcoming year, and the best receiver in free agency that would be in free agency is Nelson Aguilar. And I, Claypool runs circles over Nelson Aguilar. I hate to say it. So, I mean, yeah, we had to give up a second-round pick. That's fine. We'll just – hopefully it comes out. And I know there's been a lot of haters. I'm in a group chat that uh, everybody was calling Chicago stupid and they don't know what they're doing. And uh, I just want to wait for three years. Let's see what we look like in three years, and I want them to eat crow because I uh, – I think we do know what we're doing. Ryan Poles is a very smart guy, and he's the one that built Kansas City to who they are. And I think Ryan Poles was the best hire Chicago's made in a long time. Matt Eberflus, I don't know, but what are your thoughts? The Bears look good. I think they look good from a perspective of, yeah, some of the moves they're making are a little questionable, like you don't, Maybe some people don't quite understand them, but like we talk about week in and week out, progress. They're making progress. Fields is getting around the field. He's rushing. He's using his legs. He's making some good passes. Our passing game is looking strong. Stronger, I should say. Um, the, the Even just the past couple games, or even this last game against the Cowboys, we're starting to score. We're starting to put up points. The offense is starting to do their job. And so I think that's only going to keep rolling and continue on as we finish out this season, get into the next season. And you say three years? I don't know. I would like to – maybe it's just me not being patient, but I'd like to see it in a year or two. Maybe next year, you know, we finish a little more evenly. Year after that, making a playoff berth. I I think we're making the right moves, or I think we're trending in the right direction for success. Yeah, and uh, this brings me to my last point before we move on to the Bears-Dolphins, is do you think that at the end of the day, do you think that the Bears making moves with Ryan Poles is worse or better than not making moves with Ryan Pace? Like, we didn't make many moves with Ryan Pace. We didn't bring anybody in. Ryan Pace would build the team in the offseason, and not really. I mean, Ryan Pace did bring in Khalil Mack, that one surefire, oh, we made a move. But that was it. That was it. So, like, I don't know. The way the league is nowadays, it yeah, you can't stay stagnant. If you're, 
if you're not actively trying to make trades or trying to bring in the better players and stuff like that, yeah, you're you're gonna fall behind. You're gonna fall short. So definitely, you you got to utilize who you can get. You got to do those trades, get those picks. And Ryan Pace just he was hoping we'd get better while staying stagnant, and it didn't work out. Obviously, it doesn't work, but. As you mentioned, to get into our game coming up, we play the Dolphins in Chicago. Um, Dolphins are five and three. Bears are three and five. Uh, the over/under is forty-four and a half, and the Dolphins are favored by four and a half points. How do you feel about this game? So I'm hoping it snows in Chicago this weekend because I know it's supposed to snow this week here. And uh, <laughs> I think we uh, I think we take the L, um, unfortunately. Uh, but I really think um, Justin Fields is going to come out and look pretty solid. Uh, defense is just going to be deflated. I mean, we lost. You saw the deflation just from Robert Quinn against Dallas. Imagine this deflation with Roquan Smith leaving. It's going to be magnified by two. Like I, It's going to be insane. And so I think we lose, but at the same time, I think Justin performs well. I think he keeps t- making a step forward. Uh, and this year, the Dolphins are 5-0 and when Tua has played every game, start to finish. Um, they're 0-3 when Tua wasn't in. And Tua's playing this week, so I'm nervous. What's your thoughts? I think it has potential to be a really good game. Because, like you mentioned, hopefully it snows in Chicago. I don't know if it's going to snow. I think it's supposed to be wet. Because I know in Iowa here, like today, it's supposed to be raining all day long. And Saturday. So I don't know fully on Sunday, but weather conditions could be a little sketch and as we know the bears play well in bad weather we're a bad weather kind of team um and even aside from that they have very similar points per game offensively the bears have 19.4 points a game dolphins have 22.3 so we're only a tad below that and if you think about that with our first few games that were lower and don't really help that average out, we're trending in the upward direction on points a game. Uh, Defensively, they allow 24 points per game. We allow 22.6. So if I had to guess, I would say Dolphins, probably going to score around 22 points (laughs) if numbers hold true. Um, And hopefully... I don't know. We have a chance at coming out on top of that, or we have a chance of falling just short. As far as them being favored by four and a half, I'll be optimistic, and I'll say we cover. I'll say we can cover that four and a half. If we lose, take it by a field goal. Can I do alternative odds? Oh. <laughs> Please. Um, no, I'll take... Uh... I'm going to take the... Over. I'm not going to take the spread. I'm going to take the over. I think it'll be over 45 and a half. Uh, I never take Chicago overs because it never works out. Uh, but I really think uh, I'll take the over because Tua's 
balling out. I'm ner- I'm you know what matchup I'm excited to see? Tyree Kill versus mm. got, uh Kyler Gordon. Our rookie our yeah. rookie corner. I want to see how Kyler Gordon does against Tyree Kill. And I also want to see how Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson work together with uh Miami's receiving core. They're insane. I'm nervous, like, but this is a true testament. We've been talking about Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson all year, the dynamic duo. And I think, let's see, let's see, let's see if they can slow them down. That's definitely going to be the key to if we do cover or if we are, like, making an attempt to win this game. It's going to come defensively, and it's going to come defensively in the pass game for sure. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what our couple of younger rookie guys can do against some very good, like Waddle and Hill, both of them. Very, very good receivers. Jaseki, great tight end. A good tight end with Jaseki, too, yeah. And so, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see. I think, I think if you say that Dolphins, their receiving core, is what makes their team – I think our defensive backs are what make our team a little bit right now. And so I'm excited to see those two square up. I agree. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you, would you rather win this game and keep winning this year? Or would you rather just tank? Because I'm kind of at that mode where I'd rather just get a top top 10 pick. Hmm. I'd rather keep winning this year. I I gotta say I I don't necessarily care too much about the picks, like obviously I know they're important, but also I think Ryan Poles is a smart enough guy. Like we were just talking about, he'll make trades, he'll move things around, he'll do what he's got to do to get us the players that we need. So I don't think picks are a huge concern to me right now. Uh, I want to keep winning. I, like we just were talking about earlier, a lot of teams are in that four and four, three and five kind of range. So if the Bears like came here and went out, there's a playoff shot there. Does that happen? I doubt it. Right. <laughs> it's very, very unlikely. But from a theoretical standpoint, like of what do I want? Of course, I always want wins. I, w- I want more wins. I want to see the Bears succeed. If they have a winning record by the end of the season, I'll be happy. Well, if the Bears win this week, I know we do this kind of every week. That would put the Bears at four and five, and then we got Detroit next week, and I think that could put us at five and five. And then we got the Falcons, and I think that could put us at—I don't know—that's a toss-up. That is a toss-up. It'll depend on how how we handle the Dolphins in Detroit. If if we if we were five and five. By that point, after Detroit, like we beat the Dolphins this week, I would feel pretty good with us against the Falcons. All right, six and six and five, and then the Jets. We come back down to earth. I think Jets are a good team this year. They're sc- Brees Hall won't be back. Yeah, but they still look they look still look solid. Like I still think the Jets they built something over there. Uh, I think they're us a year ago, or they're us a year from now. That's what I think. I hate to compare us to the Jets, but I think that's where they are. But, yeah, and then we got Green Bay, and well, let's not talk about Green Bay. That one, that'll be All right. One. But, so, 
You're taking Chicago to cover four and a half. I think they cover. I'm taking the over 45 and a half. And I think that wraps up Bear Central. Yeah, so we'll move on now to our college segment. Let's talk Hawks. Iowa is 4-4, four and four, which I do consider a winning record if you're 500. So, yay. Um, and that came against the win against Northwestern, who is 1-7. So, can't be too excited, but also a win's a win. So, I'll take it. Uh, it was 33-13, to 13, the final score. What were your thoughts on that game? I actually watched this. Um, this was a great game. I Iowa's offense looked capable. Petrus looked good. Sam Laporta was all over the field. How often do you hear that from come out of my mouth? Never. Um, but, no, our offense won us this game, believe it or not. I mean, so did our defense. They only scored 13 points. But our offense scored 28 points. 28 points. Like, what? Uh, it, it was a pretty incredible game. It's 1-7 one in, one in Northwestern. But uh, I was pretty proud of it, and it gave me hope against per, the 5-3 and three Purdue. I think we got a shot. I think uh, we beat Purdue this week, and we're back in the thick of things. What's your thoughts? You're getting ahead of yourself here. Anyway, yes, no, I, I did really like the – Iowa Northwestern game. We played well. We played great, but like you were saying, it's against one in seven Northwestern. They have the worst defense in the Big Ten. They're not a good team, and so yeah, I love seeing Petrus look not too shabby and Laporta doing his things. Obviously, Laporta is a very good tight end, but. That that's one thing I just could not get out of my head, and even the announcers were mentioning it a couple different times throughout the game. It's all because it's Northwestern. Like you always have to remember who your opponent is, what their strengths and weaknesses are. Our offense looked good, great. We played a really shit defense, so I love it. I love the win. I take the win. Thirty three is pretty good points to put up, but I still just. It's Northwestern. So part of me is like, ah, if this, now if this would have been like our loss to Ohio State, if this would have been like a 54 to 13 or something, I'd feel a little bit better. I'd be like, yeah, it's a shit defense, but even good teams aren't, you know, always putting up 50 points on like other teams. So, yeah, I don't know. I take a little bit of an asterisk to it there. Yeah, and I'm afraid like, if we don't beat Purdue this week, I think we don't win a bowl. Uh, we don't go to a bowl game this year. Still, what's your thoughts? Yeah. Okay, so I was playing Purdue at Purdue this upcoming week. Um, Purdue is favored by three and a half. The over/under is thirty-eight and a half. Ah. Uh, I don't know. I haven't paid too much attention to Purdue. Um, let me look here. They're scoring quite a few points a game. They're also giving up a decent amount of points of game. But it's also Iowa, who does not have a good offense. And so I, I know we looked real good against Northwestern, and the offense looks like it's coming together. But also pr- playing Purdue, I, I don't know if we stay on that same track. 
I think we lose. I think we lose to Purdue. I don't know if we can pull that one See, out. I don't think so, and here's why. You know who we've played this year? Like, this year, our three losses. Okay, Iowa State. Inexcusable. Should not have lost Iowa State. 10-7. to seven. That one was close. 10-7. to seven. Iowa State's literally 3-5. and five. That was an ugly game. But our other two losses, or three losses, have came from Michigan, one of the best teams in the country. Illinois, one of the best teams in the country, num- ranked number 15, 14th now, and Ohio State, one of the best teams in the country. So we're not a true 4-4 four and four team. I don't think so. I think we just have struggled with the way the cards were dealt to us. We have had a tough-ass schedule. Illinois, that was back-to-back-to-back weeks. Like, we got through, put through the gauntlet. We went Rutgers into Michigan. And then into Illinois. And then at Ohio State. That was three road games, too, by the way. Well, Michigan was a home game. But Illinois and, Illinois and Ohio State was back-to-back road games. Yeah, I, I hear you. But also, my only thing is, take, take away Rutgers... Well, Rutgers, Nevada, who's not even – they're FBS, yeah. right? They're just non-Power yeah. 5. But my thing is just, like, our scoring. Like, yeah, we lost to Ohio State, Michigan, both super great, awesome teams, and Illinois. But when you look at the points we're putting up a game, we're putting up 16 points a game. We scored seven against an FCS team. We scored six against Illinois. We are not putting up, like, good points in my head. Like, yes, we've had really tough competition and scheduling and everything, but at the same time, like, our, our offense can't score. So I don't, even when we, when we get it, because we haven't played, like, a true, true, like, average team in my head yet. So, yeah, our schedule's been really tough. Our three losses... Yeah, our losses have come to some really, really good teams, but our wins have also come against some really, really bad teams or below our level teams. And so I think Purdue is our first real, like, kind of right on the verge with us matchup, kind of the, hey, like, we're looking in the mirror this week, like we're playing another real average team, like, us another real average team when you round out the defense and offense as a total unit and so i think that when we're starting to put our average on average i don't know i i I just feel like we fall a little short this one yeah i mean but and then you gotta think our schedule kind of prepared us for this gauntlet because like i'm looking at purdue's schedule right now they lost 35 to 31 against penn state first game of the year Beat Indiana State, non-powerful, well, not even an FBS school, FCS. They lost to Syracuse. They uh, barely beat Florida Atlantic. They beat Minnesota, which they're having a down year. They barely squeaked it out against Maryland. And they barely beat Nebraska. 
and they lost to Wisconsin. And that is their schedule so far. So, like, yeah, they might be 5-3, and three, and they might have scored a lot of points, but look at those defenses. There's not one real defense that they faced this year. Like, Penn State, maybe. Maybe Penn State, but uh, Michigan put 54 on Penn State. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think we win this game, and I think the disrespect of us being underdogs on this game is just unfathomable. I think we win this game by 10. I think we win. If there's, if there's a solid shot that we have this game, it's definitely coming defensively. That is the one advantage I do see to our chances is um, defensively, I, th- I think we have a good shot at holding them out a little bit more as long as they can keep up and play. And... Purdue does seem like they're giving up a decent amount of points offensive or defensively they're giving up a decent amount of points. So hopefully our offense can find a little bit of a grounding to get in there and put some points on. I it's going to be a re- in my head it's still a real close game. I would love a win. I think there's a chance we can win. I just don't feel confident in them being able to play it out the whole game. I don't think we win by 10. I don't I don't think we have another like Rutgers Northwestern blowout kind of match. I think it's 17 to 7. That's what I think. 17 to 7. That I think that would be the best uh best case scenario. It could happen. It's possible. Um to wrap us up a little bit more, too, uh, I think that's all for the football talk. But college basketball is coming up soon. This, what is it, Monday? This next coming Monday, uh, Iowa has their first basketball game against BCU. Yes, sir. I, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to watch some college basketball again. Uh, I am. Um. So, I need people to know that I'm not all in on college basketball. I like college basketball. More of a fair weather fan. Just throwing that out there right now before we get into it. Uh, but, yeah, they're playing who? Betham? Uh, <clears throat> I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. The big, the big thing I'm curious to see, hopefully Chris Murray steps up this year because he doesn't have his brother anymore. I was number one guy. Highest draft draft pick I was ever had Keegan Murray now playing for the San Francisco Kings um, they're also losing out on uh, Bohannon but I think they still have Patrick McCaffrey they still have Chris Murray I think they still have a few other guys a little less notable maybe Perkins mm-hmm. he's one I like but yeah I, I think they still have a real solid team won the Big Ten championship or Big Ten tournament Last year, made it to March Madness, got kicked out pretty quickly, but hey, it happens. I'm, I'm excited. I think they'll do better than the football team is doing. Put it that way. I wanted to shout out uh, what's going to be my alma mater, uh, University of Nebraska at Omaha. We are not that great of a basketball team, but uh, we do. We are a Division One basketball school. And we play Kansas this weekend down in Lawrence. So uh, 
we're going to get blown out, but I'm going to be tuning in that, uh, for that game. So I'm excited. Uh, but yeah. So I, Iowa plays, plays Omaha this year. Uh, yep. yeah, they sometimes soon. It looks like I'm trying to find the game. Omaha map. Yep. We do. Uh, the 27th, November 27th. Yep. It's in Iowa city. Trying to go to that game. It would be, it would be really cool to go to that game. I would go. So, if I'm free. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm going to I'm going to have two teams this year. I'm going to have UNO and I'm going to be an Iowa fan and I'm going to really really try to get into basketball this year. At least a lot more than I have in the past. Uh last year is my first year of getting real into it. I my one team is Iowa. That's kind of my one and only guys. But uh, outside of that, I do just like watching Big Ten basketball. There's basketball. There's just too much to follow. There's there's too many teams out there running around. But I last year at least was pretty good about watching most of the Big Ten games when they were on. And so that'll be uh, my point of view from it. Is I'll take a real Big Ten perspective just following that conference. And you are a Sacramento Kings fan, right? For the NBA? Uh, now that Keegan Murray is going to the Sacramento Kings, yeah, I'm going to try to follow along a little bit when I'm able to and see how he's doing there. Uh, hopefully he'll do all right. I know Sacramento Kings aren't uh, known for being great, but we'll we'll see what he can do. I'm excited. And, guys, it. I am more of an NBA fan than a college fan, So I, but I am a Milwaukee Bucks fan. I've been a Milwaukee Bucks fan for a long time now, um, so I'm not a bandwagon. Um, but, yeah, we just kind of wanted to give you a little taste of what this is going to look like outside of football season. This is going to kind of slowly convert to different sports. I know when Max and I kind of created this, we wanted to go football, definitely football is our mainstream, and we'll always talk about something with football. Even if it's one little thing about football a day, we'll talk about it. Um, but it's going to be basketball, and it's going to be baseball, and it's going to be so forth. So, yeah, I'm ho- I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, we're kind of getting towards the end of the year. Not quite, but we're there. So I just wanted to give you guys a warning beforehand. Yep. I think things are definitely going to be getting better. My season will be over after next weekend, so I'll have more time for the pure consumption of even just football alone. I'll be able to watch more, and so hopefully we'll be able to get you guys some better content. But uh, Avery, why don't you go ahead and sign us off? I only got two words. Bam!